Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, on this week's show, we'll be discussing recent polling of Labour members by YouGov. Labour's anti-Semitism row shows no sign of stopping. But what does the Labour membership make of it all? And what does this say about Jeremy Corbyn's leadership of the Labour Party? We'll be pouring over the numbers in detail later. Meanwhile, the government appears to have snatched diplomatic defeat from the jaws of victory, or so it seems, as confusion reigns over just how sure we can be that Russia was behind the Salisbury attack, and Theresa May scrambles around to keep her diplomatic coalition together. We'll be looking at what this might mean for the Westminster weather later on. And finally, with a year to go until Brexit, we'll be looking at what the public make of it all and our impending departure from the European Union with some YouGov polling that you may have missed with all the excitement elsewhere. So lots to go through as ever. And as ever, I'm joined by Leo Barassi to, to find out more. Leo, welcome back. Hello, Kieran. So as we mentioned, um, lots of things going on, lots of uh, stories that we talked about last week and that seem to sort of carry on rumbling on in the news. Um, I guess the Russia situation is probably a good place to start. So where where have we changed um, since last week? Well, the big thing that's happened has been the portent down uh, quite confusing messaging in terms of what uh, they are saying about the potential culpability of Russia. And I think from a political perspective, the most interesting thing about it has been the very polarised reaction between the parties. Uh, the government obviously still defending its position and saying that this doesn't in any way change their belief that Russia is responsible. Labour essentially going very hard for the position that they took initially, which was that the government was overreacting and moving too quickly to blame Russia. Now, I guess what we talked about last week was essentially that felt in sort of an instinctive feeling, at least to me, uh, about public opinion, like Labour's position potentially could be quite popular, a sort of sense of let's, let's not uh, go, go too fast here, let's think about it, let's not do, do a sort of uh, international adventure or, or any kind of uh, uh, over-the-top reaction before we thought about it. And in terms of the sort of public mood for international engagements, that felt right. It didn't seem like that like Corbyn had successfully caught the public mood with that. But obviously, the fact that they're having another go at pretty much exactly the same line suggests that they think that they're onto something. It is it is an interesting set of developments that we've seen, particularly for Boris Johnson. Um, he's not a popular man, as we know. Um, his poll ratings aren't particularly strong. And there's lots of pressure on him, given that he seemed to um, give categoric assurances that um, Russia, that he knew Russia was behind this. So he said um, today that it's lamentable that Mr. Corbyn was trying to discredit the UK over the incident. Um, but the issue seems to be that last week he said that people from Port and Down were absolutely categorical, um, that it was Russia. Um, he said, I asked the guy myself and I said, are you sure? And he said, there's no doubt, which, you know, the Port and Down statement doesn't seem to back up. But I guess the one reason I'm not 100% convinced this swings Corbyn's way is because what's what's the end game? Again, as I said last week, there isn't going to be a conflict as such with Russia, right? This is a diplomatic incident um, versus a, a, a sort of foreign power that is very unpopular among British public opinion. So again, it's, I don't know, then maybe there's this issue of uh, the government looking in disarray, but I, I'm just not convinced how this swings behind to, to Corbyn's benefit or to Labour's benefit, just because you know, where do we actually end up in terms of practical solutions? Yeah, look, I think that's right. Uh, this clearly isn't um, the same situation as we had around the Iraq war. And uh, there's, there's an element to which Corbyn is trying to play a game that uh, was 
uh, ultimately proved uh, extremely popular uh, a decade ago, but uh, we're in a different uh, different territory now. But on the other hand, I suspect that he, he isn't in a, a particularly unpopular position of wanting to say uh, that we should hold on and think about what we're doing before we move too quickly ahead. Mm. Um Easy to forget, of course, uh, as an aside, that these, these are quite high diplomatic states that we're talking about today. Um, Russia has lost a vote um, in The Hague this evening around um, whether or not there should be a joint investigation with Russia and Britain into these uh, in, into the attacks. Obviously, <laughs> Russia probably very aware that they were never going to win that vote and Britain would never agree to um, a joint investigation. But I did notice that... Um, one of the uh, states to vote against uh, Britain and with Russia on this was China. So, um, I mean, yeah, some usual suspects in the um, supporters of Russia, but not all. Uh, and, you know, having a diplomatic incident with China later on might be a bit of an issue. So uh, very much something to keep uh, an eye on and to see if whether Theresa May um, can keep her coalition together. But so far, it does seem that regardless of what's come out in the last sort of 48 hours, um, the European Union's back in her, the rest of... Uh, the majority of the world is backing her over this, so um, I guess the, the weather hasn't changed too much, uh, to, to use that phrase. Um, yeah, but, I, but I think what's interesting and unusual here is that domestically there is opposition to this and it has set itself up now as getting getting towards a zero-sum game where either the government or Corbyn is, is going to be proved to be on the side of the public here or the public's going to be on their side. Uh, and that is relatively unusual in uh, such a high-stakes diplomatic uh, incident like this. I wonder if that's true, though. I mean, I think ultimately we're not going to get definitive proof one way or the other. The burden, I think the burden of proof, as it were, or the evidence that we've got is what we've got. And people are either going to see it as, well, of course, it's Russia really, isn't it? Or where's the smoking gun um, evidence and I, I think that the way that people seem like they're likely to view that is through their existing sort of partisan prisms right I mean nevertheless one of the ways that um, this row may help Corbyn uh, or was very likely to help Corbyn is with the Labour membership um, lots of turbulence within the Labour Party at the moment um, Leo and there's been a, a new YouGov poll uh, of Labour members as we're very very grateful for that that's come out in the last week um, let's go through some of the edited highlights shall we so 1,156 Labour Party members interviewed um, between the 27th and 29th of March. Um, we've got some trend data from last March, uh, just over a year ago. So we've got some good, um, good, good trend data that we can compare the results to. Um, Jeremy Corbyn, very, very popular. 80% think he's doing well. Um, they, the Labour membership expect him to be the Prime Minister by a 2 to 1 margin, which is the reverse of last year. Three quarters want him to lead Labour into the next general election, and 69% think he reacted well to the Salisbury attacks that we were just, were just talking about. 23% say badly. Now, there's other stuff in there about anti-Semitism, which um, caught the headlines, which we'll go into in a moment. Um, but what struck you from the uh, poll? I mean, first and foremost, Jeremy Corbyn in a much stronger position than he once was. Yeah, look, that, I mean, that's uh, add the context that this is now comparing with a poll from before, the, before last year year's election uh, essentially i think we can assume that um that that is fundamentally what's changed it that the membership or a significant chunk of it has uh, uh decided now that they were wrong to be so critical of corbyn or uh, at least that the facts have changed and now much more behind it i mean essentially this is a poll uh, that is showing strong loyal widespread support for the leadership and uh the, the headline from it is that there is not going to be any successful challenge to him 
um, that goes to a vote to the members until Corbyn decides that he's leaving on his own terms. Um, he is in charge for as long as he wants to be. And they, some of these shifts um, year on year are quite quite stark, aren't they? I mean, just on a very basic one, you know, 30 percentage point increase in the number that think he's doing well. I mean, there, what, what else have you noticed? Yeah, that's right. So I was digging into um, into the comparison between this and last year's poll, uh, so last March, um, and particularly looking at the... Uh, the movement of Owen Smith voters. So obviously last year there was uh, a, a, a chunk, a, a large chunk who were extremely loyal to, to Corbyn. And even then it still looked like he wasn't going to lose um, another leadership contest if one was held. But uh, I've been looking at the people who last year opposed him and seeing what they, they're saying this year. Um, and it's really striking. So people who say that they voted Owen Smith in 2016, last year only 7% of them said that Corbyn was doing well. So 93% said he was doing badly. Now it's 42% say that he's doing well. So still a majority of Owen Smith voters think that he's doing badly, but only just 42% well, 58% badly. Um, and so I had a look at how much is that about the membership changing as well? Is it just that the people who really didn't like Corbyn have left and the ones that... Um, didn't mind him so much of stayed. And I don't think you can actually make that case. So in 2017, 62% of the membership uh, said that they'd voted Corbyn and 38% said that they'd voted Smith in the previous year's election. Now it's 70% said that they voted Corbyn and 30% said that they voted Smith. So um, the Smith membership was 38% last year, 30% of it this year. So maybe a fifth of Smith voters have left the party. Now, that's that's a fair amount. I mean, it's it's a good number of people, but it certainly isn't enough to explain the change in attitudes. You certainly can't say that the ones who didn't like Corbyn have left and the ones who were more favourable have stayed. Now, that can't explain the size of the swing. It's very clear that people who didn't like him a year ago or didn't think that he was doing well have now changed their minds and they're much more favourable to him. There is a, a slight methodological caveat we should give is that we're not 100% sure how sure anyone can be what the composition of the membership actually is. I know that um, YouGov did weight this data by age, gender, region. I think length of membership was taken into account. Um, past vote in the leadership contest was taken into account too. Um, but because we can't be 100% certain what the composition of the membership is, there are certain assumptions that you have to sort of let play out in the data. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, you're right. I think um, it's probably reasonable to assume that the uh, proportion of Labour members that were Smith voters has declined. Um, but I guess we've got to uh, be very careful about extrapolating from this 1,156, you know, what the actual what the actual composition is. I mean, I, I would still say I think that there is... Um, what you say makes sense in, in terms of uh, Smith voters shifting towards Corbyn, but it should be said that there is definitely a, a sort of, I don't know if you call them Smith voters, but there is a sort of moderate wing of the Labour Party, to, 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 to coin a phrase, uh, which does think very differently of Corbyn than um, previous Corbyn voters. So to, you've, you've put some of those numbers out already, so a majority of um, Owen Smith voters still say Corbyn's doing um, doing badly. Um, eighty percent of Corbyn voters expect him to be prime minister. Sixty-three um, percent of Smith voters don't. Um, only one in three Smith voters want him to lead uh, Labour into the next general election. With the rest kind of thinking he should stand down sort of immediately or, or before the or before the election actually happens. Um, Sixty percent of Smith voters. Uh, think Corbyn handled Salisbury badly, only one in three think he handled it well. So, I mean, you're right to say, I think that the direction of travel is very much in, in, in Corbyn's uh, 
direction is in his favour in the Labour Party, but there's still very much a Corbyn sceptic rump uh, within the party, isn't there? Well, yeah, but I think there's a lot in what you said that I would challenge. I mean, your point about uh, only a third of Smith voters say that he should lead the party into the next election. I mean, that's compared that with last year, that it was only 4% of Smith voters said that, that he should lead the party into the next election. So there has been a big swing. Yeah, sure, there's still a, a bunch of members who aren't satisfied with him and would like him to leave. But, you know, 74% of, of all members still want him to. I mean, only only 12% say that he should step down now out of all members. Yeah, there's there's a wing of people who don't really like it, but I wouldn't want to overstate uh, how, how large that is. I think, I mean, sort of setting aside the group of Smith voters who obviously were people who, by definition, had voted against him. I think perhaps the most surprising change is the sample of people who were members before 2015. Um, and obviously, when Corbyn was first lecture, elected, they were they were a group who he did much worse with. Um, and sort of historically, they've been, I guess, you can't exactly call it a sort of proxy for the moderate uh, moderate or centre left wing of the party, but it's certainly a more Corbyn sceptic. Now, last year, amongst um, that pre twenty fifteen membership, it was twenty seven percent thinking that Corbyn did, was doing well. Now it's seventy percent. So. If it, it, it really feels like uh, he he now has the backing in terms of a belief that he's succeeding mm. of all parts of the party in terms of the, the cohorts of when they joined, which does feel fundamentally new. Yeah, and we should be careful about labelling these people Smith voters as though they're somehow Smithites or something within the Labour Party. I think that these are these are people that are Corbyn sceptics, maybe. Uh, one example of that is that there was a question in the poll about Owen Smith was recently asked to stand down from the shadow cabinet. Um, 50% of Labour members said that was uh, it was right to be sacked. Uh, 37 say wrong. 13% said don't know. And in the wording, I should say, it did mention the fact that he'd uh, called for a second referendum uh, on, on Brexit. So you know, there was plenty of um, chance in that question to really give you uh, a reason why Owen Smith shouldn't be uh, fired. But 21% of Owen Smith voters thought he should be. So, uh, you know, it gives you an idea of, of, of how that you know these people aren't necessarily committed um, to the man. I guess all I'd say is that, I mean, you, you I think you were right to say that there won't be a leadership contest anytime soon in the Labour Party. But I think given that there is this, um, this Corbyn sceptic group that's not insignificant within Labour, I think we should um, be cautious before assuming that any future sort of Corbyn anointee would automatically sort of just sweep to the leadership in the future. In fact, I think that my view is that any future Labour leadership contest is actually quite difficult to call because chances are every candidate would run on a sort of semi-pro Corbyn platform, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah, even someone like... There are different Corbynisms, right? I mean, the, um, there's there's lots of different ways you can present yourself as a continuation of the Corbyn project, whether that's a sort of future-looking internationalist or a kind of uh, expand the state or, or a sort of youthful vigour kind of approach. I mean, it's it's very easy to see three or four candidates very different backgrounds and politics presenting themselves as the Corbyn successor. Mm. Mm. But it is still striking to me that, uh, I mean, even though the, the numbers have shifted dramatically in Corbyn's favour, as you say, um, there's still, uh, what is it, 22% of Labour members don't want him to lead them into the next election. That is significantly down, it should be said, from uh, more than half uh, a year ago, So, as, as, you, as you pointed out. So anyway, um, there'll be lots to uh, keep an eye on on that. I mean, the big numbers that made the biggest headlines were around... 
um, the anti-Semitism row. And I have a bone to pick with this question, which people that follow on Twitter will know about. Um, so the question was, there has been quite a lot of news coverage recently about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Which of the following statements comes closest to your view? And I kind of have to read it out the full scale but to give you an idea of what it was saying. So 19% said it is a serious and genuine problem that the party leadership needs to take urgent action to address. 47% said it is a genuine problem, but it, it, its extent is being deliberately exaggerated to damage Labour and Jeremy Corbyn or to stifle criticism of Israel. So again, that's 47%. That's the most people said that. And then 30% said it is not a serious problem at all and is being hyped up to undermine Labour and Jeremy Corbyn or to stifle legitimate criticism of Israel. So that's 30% said that. And then 1% said none of these, 3% said don't know. And this was initially presented by uh, Sam Coates and The Times, at least the night the poll came out, as 77% um, think that the um, anti-Semitism row in Labour is being exaggerated. Now, you could take the exact same numbers, the exact same scale, and say, what would it be, uh, 66% say that it is a problem um, by taking the people that said um, it is a serious and genuine problem and the people that say it's a genuine problem, but... now. That is quite an important uh, caveat in terms of how you interpret these numbers. And I suppose, um, you know, it's just another example of how the media can take poll numbers and interpret them in a certain way, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we should say in defence of Sam Coates, he very quickly presented it in the other way as well, once he realised how, how his presentation... Uh, once it had gone viral. Uh, yeah, sure. But I think, you know, in, in, in fairness to him, he didn't immediately... Uh, just uh, try and defend it and um, you know, he recognised it was Christmas. So I think there is, I mean, just before, before you go into that, Lee, I think there is a serious point here, right? And I don't want to pick on Sam Coates. I mean, it's, it's about the media in, in, in general, which is that we do get a lot of these sort of clickbaity headlines that don't tell the full story. We saw it with Sky as well on the Port and Down um, uh, sort of headlines about how you couldn't verify that this was Russia. And no one would suggest for a second that Sky is trying to undermine the government's position. If anything, I would imagine... Well, I don't know. Editorially, at least, you might think that Sky would be closer to um, the government's position if it was allowed to express a view. Anyway, that was a bit, bit cack-handed, but you get where I'm coming from. Um, but, you know, the, the story was much more nuanced than the headline, and maybe it was ever thus with the media. But we see a lot of this, and, you know, people like Squawk Box and uh, The Canary and these sorts of uh, people get, and, you know, Guido Fawkes, whoever it might be, get criticised for... Um, this type of the way they present news or otherwise and how they use facts. But the, the, the so-called mainstream media is just as bad at times. Yeah, I mean, just, just as bad might be a bit strong. But I mean, I think fundamentally the problem with this scale is that the first and second option are not mutually exclusive. You can believe both of them. Uh, you can believe both that it's a serious and genuine problem that leadership needs to address. And you can believe that all of that is true and that it's being deliberately exaggerated by people who want who want to harm Corbyn. I mean, you know, I think those, those two together are a fairly respectable viewpoint and, and they're not mutually exclusive. So someone selecting the second box, the but its extent is being exaggerated, isn't necessarily saying that they think that it's not a serious problem that needs action. So um, sure, uh, representing those two separately rather than putting them together does perhaps give a misleading view about uh, what the membership think. There is a slightly strange inclusion of Israel in the scale as well. Um, I, I was I was chatting to Anthony Wells uh, about this at YouGov, and you know he, he just he kind of just pointed out that there was no, there are a number of different views um, that they kind of wanted to capture, and one of the um, one of the criticisms of 
I don't know how you, how, one of the pushbacks, if you like, that people that um, think this is all overblown news and they think it's just a you know anti-Semitism is just a straw man to stifle criticism of Israel. And that's what it's doing in there. But I just thought that the middle box. Let's read it out again. It is a genuine problem, but its extent is being deliberately exaggerated to damage Labour and Jeremy Corbyn or to stifle criticism of Israel. I mean, I suppose that is a bit of a catch-all, but I don't know. I don't know what you get from whacking Israel in there. I feel like if you're going to try and genuinely understand how many people think this is about stifling Israel, this is about Zionism and all the things that go with that, um, maybe they should have asked a separate question. I mean, I'm nitpicking maybe to some extent, but it felt a little bit shoehorned in there, and it was shoehorned into the final uh, statement as well when they said it's not a serious problem at all and is being hyped up to undermine Labour and Jeremy Corbyn or to stifle legitimate criticism of Israel. So the, so the word legitimate is sort of thrown in there as well. So it's, an, it's just a yeah. slightly, strange, yeah, I mean, uh, slightly strange scale. Yeah, and uh, I can see why they've done it because... Uh, it's clear that that is a view that is that is held. Uh, I'm not sure I can say reasonably widely because it's something you encounter on social media rather than uh, being able to really tell in the real world. That's why we ask polling questions to find out how widely held uh, they are. Um, yeah, I think you could well see a better version of this question or a cleaner version of this question essentially cutting out the middle option and saying, first, is it a serious and genuine problem or is it being exaggerated? And then asking a second question, if you think it's exaggerated, why? Is it about hurting uh, Labour or is it, and Corbyn, or is it about uh, stifling criticism of Israel, if you really wanted to know? There was a separate question before we move on on this. I want to wrap this up shortly. But um, um, before we move on, there was a separate question about thinking about anti-Semitism in political parties, which of these statements comes closest to your view? And um, 11% said it was a, anti-Semitism is a bigger problem in the Labour Party than other parties. Um, 57% said it's uh, a problem in Labour, but no worse than elsewhere. And then 10% said it's not a problem in Labour, but it is a problem elsewhere. 11% said um, it's not a problem in the Labour Party or anywhere else. So again, 68%, if you add the people that think it's a bigger problem in the Labour Party than anywhere else, or that acknowledge that it is a problem in Labour, but not as much as anywhere else, that's, uh, again, that's 68% acknowledging it's a problem. So again, I don't know, I just think the way the way you, uh, not to labour the point too much, pardon the pun, uh, but, you know, the way you look at these numbers, you can get very different views, can't you? Although I should say, you know, 3 in 10 saying that it's not a serious problem at all, and it's all about hurting Corbyn and, you know, protecting Israel, that's, that's not a worrying number, I suppose. Yeah, sure. But I think it's also useful. Uh, they've helpfully put in the um, responses from 2016 when they asked members the same question. And, you know, it is uh, useful to see that it's uh, 52% said it's a problem in Labour two years ago. Now it's 68%. So for all the feeling that uh, this kind of stuff only entrenches people in their old opinions and doesn't change anyone's mind. Well, it has changed the people's minds. There are uh, uh, the number has jumped 16 points in, in Labour that think there's a problem in the party. So uh, this this has done something in terms of uh, shifting opinion. I will say one of the legitimate criticisms, I think one of the legitimate pushbacks that I've seen from supporters of Corbyn online is that I, I would like to see a poll of this nature among Tory members on some of, you know, I'm, I, well, put it this way, I think I'm sure I could write a poll, put it to Tory members among you with YouGov, and get quite controversial views on Islam or immigration benefits, you know, this sort of thing. So, again, I mean, <laughs> I'm sounding like I, I'm, I'm one of these people that thinks it's all overhyped. I'm really not. But, um, you know, th there is a legitimate pushback, I think, that says, well, this is a serious problem in Labour, but uh, what about what about the Tories and what about other, other political, well, mainly the Tories and other parties and other websites? Because there's some pretty shady stuff going on. 
Um, you only have to look at the recent Leave.eu um, advert about Sadiq Khan and Londonistan and all that sort of stuff. And I wonder how much, um, if you polled uh, Tory members, how much that would uh, sort of come through. Anyway, let's move on. Um, the, one of the polls that people might have missed is this uh, poll of YouGov, uh, sorry, uh, by YouGov of the British public, which came out last week, just as we went off air, showing the Tories four points ahead. A treasure trove of um, numbers around um, Brexit, with just less than a year to go now until we sort of formally leave the European Union. Um, some debate over transition periods, of course. Um, but it seemed to be uh, reasonably encouraging numbers for the Prime Minister, didn't it, Leah? Yeah, so I guess sort of two headlines from it. So first, the uh, government's position was seen as, I mean, I'm not sure I can quite say good, but less bad than it has been before. So a headline number of on the question of how well well or badly do you think the government on, are doing at negotiating Brexit um, is minus 28. So twice as many people, 28 say, uh, well, 56% say badly, which is bad, but it's still up um, from minus 39 a month ago. So um, government's position does seem to have picked up there. And then sort of behind that, um, a kind of a sense that it's it's trying to do the right thing. Um, a question on uh, which of the following best reflects your view of how the government should proceed with the issue of Brexit. The Of the five options, uh, sorry, four options that, that people are given, um, the one that does easily the best is to continue with its current negotiating terms. So it sort of seemed to be uh, on the right track, perhaps. Um, and then perhaps the thing that was most striking is Theresa May personally, how she seemed to be doing um, and how she seemed to be doing relative to Corbyn, which uh, I guess sort of, I mean, it's not, it's not that this has particularly changed, but it's just really striking. And I think something that we don't um, perhaps pick up on and discuss as much as maybe we should is that... Um, from what you've seen or heard, do you support or oppose the approach that Theresa May is taking? And that's 36% support, 37% oppose among the general public. So in contrast with the government as a whole, people are generally much more supportive of Theresa May. I mean, it sort of feels on the big controversial polarising issue, um, arguably the issue of of the day of, of sort of the era um, for a uh, prime minister who is generally seen to be not doing very well at her job to actually personally to, uh, to be sort of at uh, keeping her keeping her, her her head above the water just about um, that surprised me and I thought that was I was kind of a better perspective than you than uh, I would have expected her to get and that's that's backed up by other numbers there in the poll so who do you trust most to negotiate Brexit May thirty four Corbyn fourteen both four not sure why you'd say both. Neither or don't know 47% though. So I suppose um, maybe, I mean, politics is a zero-sum game, of course, between whoever's leading a political party at the time. Um, but I don't know, at least that number there would suggest that there's not a lot of confidence in the uh, leadership that Britain has on either side at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, but it does feel like very much a Brexit thing that Corbyn and Labour are struggling with. So... Um, there are two separate questions here. So one is a question on best who would be best prime minister and one is a question on who would be best to negotiate Brexit. May does it gets about the same score on both 38 for best prime minister, 34 for Brexit. But Corbyn does so much worse on Brexit. So he gets 27 for best prime minister, but only 14 on Brexit. So it's clear a lot of people that 
like him for best prime minister, but really don't like him for Brexit or just, I, mean, I guess, are prepared to say don't know or, or, mm. or no one rather, rather than pick him. Um, and that does read across to Labour's position as well. So it's very heavily seen as confusing. Um, there's on the on a separate position, uh, separate question. Um, people are asked uh, what they uh, what they think uh, about each of the party positions, whether they see it as clear. Um, Labour gets sixty uh, percent say that they think that the position is confusing. Only sixteen uh, percent think that it's clear. And including among Labour voters, there's a minus 21 point uh, gap there. So 21 point lead for confusing. Now, the stories don't do much better. Uh, they still have more people say confusing than clear, 50 to 30. But the gap's much smaller. So it does it does still feel like on on this, uh, uh, this important issue, arguably, I was going to say it's the most important issue of the day. I'm sure people would. That, but, well, that's what that's um, what the that's what the poll says. I mean, the YouGov poll does does ask um, what the most important issue facing the country is, and Brexit wins convincingly. So you know, it's a fair, it's a fair point. True. Yeah. Um, the yeah, Labour Labour are struggling. Yeah, they are. Um, they have a position that's not seen as clear, and their leader is not seen as uh, as or it's seen not only is he not seen as good as it, it's seen to be a particular weakness of his. I do wonder, though, when I look at these confu- I mean, I think you're right to point out the difference between Labour and the Conservatives on on confu- you know, how confusing their policy is. Um, but I do wonder whether some of those numbers are inflated a bit by just the fact that people aren't following Brexit very closely, and and they just find it confusing generally. Full stop. Regardless of who whose policy we're looking at. So there's another question in the poll that says, um, "How closely, if at all, are you following news reports about Brexit and the Brexit negotiations?" Forty-seven um, percent say closely. Forty-six percent say um, not not closely. Basically, so and that that um, has a huge age shift. If we look at the eighteen to twenty-four age group, twenty-two um, percent of those younger people following Brexit closely. 65% not closely. And then the, with the 65 and overs, it's pretty much, not quite, but pretty much the reverse. So, I mean, I suppose, uh, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, ultimately, I guess it reflects that not everyone's in, uh, engaged in politics, doesn't it? So, um, but then in the absence of a set piece event where there will be a kind of smoking gun as to whether Brexit's succeeding or failing, I don't know whether that's necessary and anything's necessarily going to shift there, will it? Yeah, right. And arguably, Labour's position being seen as confusing is a feature, not a bug. Uh, you know, it's it's arguably the, a, a deliberate ambiguity that's that's in their position to uh, uh, try and ride both horses and be seen as the party that is just a bit more Romanian than the Tories, but uh, not so Romanian as to to frighten people who don't want to. I mean, the, the, there's one number, to. one separate number, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, with the the best prime minister, which may leads by nine points on. Um, there's one number that would consistently irk me or worry me if I was if I was a sort of Labour strategist, which is that 24% of Labour voters aren't sure whether May or Corbyn would make the better Prime Minister. I mean, this reflects something that we saw, didn't we, at the um, at the general election, where it looked like at one point lots of Labour voters were flirting with the idea of going to, over to the Tories for the first time. And that obviously didn't happen for various reasons, I, I suspect, related to the campaign and the manifestos and, and, and um, you know, the shambles of a campaign the Tories ran and that sort of thing. 
Um, but when you look when you, when you look at uh, Labour twenty seventeen voters, it, it's even higher. One in three Labour twenty seventeen voters um, not sure who would make the best prime minister. So I suppose if you were looking for an opportunity and you're the Conservatives, it might be in sort of trying to understand who those people are and how you can win them over. That said, they, commitment you know old habits do seem to die hard, don't they? Because as as much as we see these people that didn't rate Ed Miliband, didn't rate Jeremy Corbyn. The Labour brand seems to be strong enough to sort of hold them when it comes to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there's a really difficult but interesting and important complexity with Corbyn and uh, his appeal or lack of it to the public that he is less popular than the party and um, often and increasingly now less popular than Theresa May. But I'm not sure that that translates to if Labour had another leader, they'd be doing better because what Corbyn can personally do is bring about a bunch of contradictory or incoherent policies that allow Labour to appeal to a bunch of different people whose policy goals are mutually uh, incompatible. Um, and he can signal with his values that he's standing up for a group of people whilst delivering with his policies a set of things that... Uh, help other people and even though he's personally unpopular that potentially allows him to win over a larger group of people than a more ostensibly popular politician might do god sorry that was a long sentence <laughs> um i mean I, I was actually thinking about it in the the other way around actually which was that not so much that labor would be doing better with a different leader but more that the tories might be doing better it's kind of a, almost the reverse so if, if the Tories have a new and popular leader at the next general election, whoever that might be, um, then there is a sort of rump of Labour voters that might might be won over to their side. I don't think it's 24 percent, don't get me wrong, but I mean, there must be some in there. But this goes back to the uh, the, the debate we were having recently, doesn't it, about kind of the, the culture wars and you know how, how do you keep the um, Leave.eu, Jacob Rees-Mogg supporters alongside the sort of Cameron... I don't know, David Cameron, Blair, sort of liberal metropolitan types. Um, it's, a, it's a circle that's very hard to square, isn't it? But I don't know, don't, don't really know how you do it. Um, as, we, as, as, as we were sort of saying off air, um, Con Home has a, a poll out recently that suggests that um, although a majority of Conservative members still, still want Theresa May to stand down before the next general election, um, that people are warming to her a bit as she has uh, more and more favourable headlines. But I guess, long story short... British politics is going to be shaped by the next Conservative leadership contest, isn't it, as much as anything? Yeah, and let's not magic up a fantasy Tory leader who is going to appeal to um, to everyone and, t- and tackle all of the problems. I guess they exist just as much as an obvious uh, other Labour leader that can take over and, and uh, reconcile all of the problems that the party has in terms of um, the incompatible sets of voters that it's trying to appeal to. You know, the party, both parties will continue to have problems with their, the sort of gradual realignment of politics in a way that uh, no individual leader is going to be able to resolve permanently. And we can't, and I guess the final word is we, we can't really, we can't really know how that contest is going to go because we don't know when it's going to take place, can we? I mean, if Brexit has essentially already happened, um, I mean, there's going to be a transition, right? So to what extent will it have actually happened is, uh, I guess, a matter of interpretation. Then then maybe that whole prism sort of goes goes out the window a little bit and the whole contest is about, well, how do you make the most of it? And I don't, I'm not sure how vociferously you supported Brexit 
back back in 2016 is necessarily going to be the most important thing there. Um, but then, then, and then, you know, beyond that, there's all sorts of horse trading that's going to go on between Conservative MPs, which makes it very hard for us pollsters to predict what's going to what's going to happen, really, doesn't it? I mean, last word to you, Leo. Yeah, look, Brexit is going to carry on for uh, uh, years, uh, dominating landscape. I think I'm not so, um, I don't know, bullish, bearish, however I put it as you are, that uh, this is going to uh, come come to a sort of soft close and we'll gradually stop talking about it. I think it's going to carry on dominating. Um, it's a problem for Labour's position because um, there are times when their lack of position is going to get uh, exposed. But um yeah sure the, the tories will continue to struggle with it and there's going to be this question about whether politics is realigning around um a sort of open closed remain leave axis um and the more that brexit continues to dominate the landscape the more pressure there will be for that to happen and of course then david miliband will come back and everything will change and now uh <laughs> um we'll, we'll probably go back and talk about centrist parties later on in, in the month but anyway um i'll let you get on to the uh, liverpool uh, man city champions league game leo i can tell you're itching to get there um but I feel yeah. we're three down already <laughs> um so that's all we've got time for for this week's political betting polling matters podcast big thanks to leo as ever um hope you enjoyed this show if you did enjoy the show please share us on social media it helps get our name out there do all the usual likes and ratings and comments on itunes or other podcast apps only if they're positive though we're nice people and do stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks where we're going to be following the stories we've talked about today but also trying to restart our opinion polling matters series and look into some of these other issues that we might the uh, other pollsters might not be covering at the moment so um, if you like what you hear do share us but for now thanks once ever once again for listening